You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 177, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of the program, I chatted with Chaz Costello of Salt Lake City Goth Punk Outfit Sculpture Club. The band just released their long-awaited sophomore full-length work last month on Funeral Party Records. The songs on the album largely came together last year when, like many of us, Costello found himself with a lot of extra time on his hands. He began revisiting demos that he put to the side and started recording new ones as well, eventually entering the studio with Wes Johnson at Archive Studios in Salt Lake City. During our interview, we talked all about the recording experience behind the album, which Costello describes as a bit more freeform when compared with their debut, the inspiration behind the band's more guitar-driven sound, what the music scene is like in Salt Lake City, and more. Costello also shared some insights into his lyric writing process and hand-selected some awesome records from my collection, including choice cuts, from the Exploding Hearts, the Cranberries, and Saves the Day. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Look at My Records. I'm here with Chaz Costello of Sculpture Club, their new album, Worth, is out now via Funeral Party Records. Chaz, how are you? Doing good. Doing doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Great to have you. Looking Thank forward you. to chatting with you today. Just tell me a little bit about how everything's been going with you, given the pandemic. How's the last year been for the band and you creatively? Um, it's been good. <laughs> uh, I feel like most bands would answer that way. Um, it's been strange a little bit just cause, just because it's strange. I mean, we're all locked inside. Creatively, it kind of gave me like a, it kind of gave me the time and space to work on the new Sculpture Club record. Um, I don't know if... Uh, some of the listeners might know about my other bands, but Choir Boy has always been really busy, uh, especially the last few years. Um, you know, and Sculpture Club kind of took a break right around the time Choir Boy started to to get really busy. So I kind of um, just put that on the back burner. And then with you know 2020 just being what it was, kind of gave me time to just focus on focus on that 
So. Yeah, that, that's cool because I know Choir Boy, which is another project you're involved with. You're the bass player of that band. <laughs> they put out a record last May. So it seems yeah. like you've been keeping really busy over the last years. What, what's your involvement with that project when compared with Sculpture Club? Because I was checking out the record that Choir Boy put out last year. It definitely sounds much different than the songs mm -hmm. on Worth. Yeah, uh... I mean, mainly I'm the bass player. Um, how it kind of works is Choir Boy is kind of like Adam's, it's Adam's brainchild, you know? I had come into the band right before uh, we changed our name to Choir Boy. Um, so, like, with Passive, I, I played on that album, um, but I wasn't really there for the songwriting as much as I was on Gathering Swans. Um, so we all kind of, like, pitch ideas and songwrite and, and send demos. And then, um, you know, ultimately Adam will kind of have, have say in like kind of what parts we use and things like that. And so it's a lot of sending demos back and forth and adding stuff here and there. But, um, and then that opposed with sculpture club is like, I kind of have full control <laughs> over that, yeah over that band. So I can kind of like, do not that I can't do whatever I want in in Choir Boy, but with Sculpture Club, it's like you know I can I write all the parts, and uh, I don't know. I think the main difference is like Sculpture Club is like a rock band, you know. It's like yeah, a, totally. And, and Choir Boy is like a pop band, which are two. You know, I love obviously both styles of music, but. With Sculpture Club, I like to to yell and scream and and jump around and get really get really wild, and so it's nice to have like the full full little control of that thing. Yeah, big big <laughs> emphasis on guitars in Sculpture Club as compared yeah. with I think a lot of other bands that you'd consider like your peers within kind of this goth pop genre. And I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more. But so it sounds like you wrote Worth during the pandemic. So do you think this record yeah. really would have come out right now without kind of all of the circumstances of the last year or would you have kind of pushed I don't it think further so. even more? Yeah, I think I would have pushed it further. There's a couple songs, um, you know, like one of the Chains and Faith, uh, which was the second single that we put out, that I had written prior to the hiatus in 2017 2018 so it happened we had our bass player chris copeland uh she moved to philadelphia and um you know obviously left the band because um she's going to grad school out there and i had already had like a couple songs and a couple ideas for the album and a couple demos and stuff that i had just i had just sat on then when you know choir boy started touring super heavily and doing our thing yeah i just kind of didn't pay attention then when the pandemic hit i just had all this time on my hands i revisited some of the old demos and i was like okay cool and then i was you know writing a bunch of just writing a bunch of music since i had had the time and energy for it but yeah i don't think without the without the pandemic i don't think this album would have come out this year you know especially because I mean, Choir Boy put out Gathering Swans in May, 
Yeah, you probably would have hit the road after that. Yeah. Yeah. So we had we had a bunch of tours planned, and we we're all really excited for it, and uh, it all just got shut down. You know, so um, I had to do something with all the all the energy I had stored up and ready to go. And luckily, I had the means and the you know the time to work on this album. Yeah, what were the writing sessions for this album like then? Is it something that once everything was shut down, you immediately shifted gears and decided, I'm going to dive headfirst into writing this new Sculpture Club record? Or was it a little more drawn out and it took you a little more time to get going? Uh, no, I think it was the first. The I think I was like, I'm going to dive in. I have I have the chance. I have the... The motivation <laughs> to yeah. do it um the writing sessions were mostly just me and my computer yeah. um you know just kind of plugging in and and getting out ideas i guess i didn't go into it thinking i was going to write the a record i thought i had some time that i would just spend on on this project you know so i think over a couple of months I had written enough songs for an album when I realized, you know? Yeah. And once I realized that I had enough songs, I was like, okay, now let's focus on like going in and, and kind of recording and trying out these things. I feel like the whole experience was like exploring ideas that I had, you know, going into the last Sculpture Club record, A Place to Stand, we had recorded in our friend Mike Fuchs basement he just like recorded it for us and this time i had gone into like a real studio i was like okay i want to try this real studio and the last album was like just it's guitar based drums and singing like there's no i think i did like a couple of songs with uh two vocal tracks like some overdubbing but mostly that record is just like a punk record you know yeah just like let's go for it and this time I had thought, you know, I kind of had the time to think about these songs and work on these songs. And I was like, you know, I had asked a couple of other friends to join the band. And I was like, okay, so now I can kind of think about songs more in in like a a fuller sense. So I added, you know, synths, like some synths here and there. And like, there's a lot of cello on the album and piano and stuff that when, when we had started Sculpture Club, we were like a, you know, we wrote everything together. I would come with ideas and be like, here it is. And we kind of work it out in band practice is really like a, a band band, you know? And with the new record, it was kind of just, just me. So I would kind of like work out all these ideas and then I'll figure out how to play them live later. You know, that was kind of the idea. But I think you touched on a lot of things that I wanted to explore completely pairing this record worth to your first record, A Place to Stand, which you kind of mentioned this record sounds, even though it's dark, it sounds brighter, more melodic uh, when compared with A Place to Stand, which was more punk influenced and, you know, more guttural and punk sounding. Uh, What do you attribute that to? And how do you think that progression and evolution in your sound happened? Um... I'm not sure. It's a good question. (laughs) I think sometimes I think about writing music or being in a band as like in in terms of like dealing with 
grief or something, you know, it's like, you know, there's what seven stages, you know, there's anger, you know, bargaining, depression, acceptance. There's all these things that you go through. And I think that when you start a band, um, when you have the motivation or feeling to start a band, it's coming from one of those places. And for me, it was, you know, at the time I was really angry and uh, dealing with a lot of that. And so I just needed a, a place to get it out. And so, you know, the next step from that is, I don't know what the next step is. I can't, I can't remember depression or bargaining, but I think as a band progresses, you kind of, for, or as my stuff progresses, I kind of hone in a little more, I try to hone in a little more clearly on the emotions that I want to explore. And I think that, you know, I'm still angry and I get depressed and I get, you know, mad at stuff, but I kind of have the skills now to dive in and dig around in there and try to figure out like, you know, there's more subtlety to it. And I think that comes across musically as well, where it's like, well, what am I trying to evoke musically or what does this these sounds make me feel and why so it's a little more thoughtful in that sense you know i was reading um i was reading an interview with tears for fears and they were talking about how before tears for fears they were in another band together and they were touring constantly and doing all this stuff and they hated it and they just wanted to make a studio album you know like make music that was good first you know exploring different different ideas and instrumentations and not get, getting yourself closed in by just being a band. And I think that kind of struck me a lot. I was like, oh, I'll do the same thing. You know, I have a new opportunity. I have these ideas I want to explore. I don't want to be pinned down to just, you know, being being like an angry punk band or whatever. But I think that was kind of the progression. Yeah. And as I had alluded to earlier, I think the other thing I noticed is this record is definitely really guitar driven. Whereas mm. I think probably a lot of bands that are considered your peers are really synth driven. Mm. Uh, Choir Boy, I think, is an example. So I was just wondering what drew you to that really guitar driven sound on this record in particular? And why did you want to make a record that sounded like that? Um, I just love playing guitar, (laughs) you know, I like, I love playing synths, you know, I have my partner and I have our synth band, oh, fossil arms, you can see, we have like our synth band and I like playing synths and stuff, but I had, I had, uh, I don't want to say like grown up listening to, well, I did, I grew up listening to like hair metal and new wave and all, and all this stuff and, and, and punk and, you know, I just like playing guitar. You know, there's something about just like, uh, I don't know. I I just like it, I guess is the answer. (laughs) I mean, it's fun to just like play loud, fast music or big, you know, big guitar music that you can kind of play with less precision, but more emotion in a way. I I never really thought about it that much. Just Sculpture Club is kind of a guitar band and, you know, there's all, all the all the influences for for this record and other records were all guitar heavy bands so i don't know yeah it's cool it's just cool to see because you do see a lot of synth heavy 
stuff out there and it's really cool <laughs> to see something that's also really guitar heavy even though you mentioned there's some synths on the record but i think you listen to every song on this record and it's the guitars that obviously really drive each of the songs yeah that's what i, I was it's also just how i write songs you know i usually write with a guitar or a bass Mo mostly i start songs with a bass um and i feel like that's just how it progresses you know i i don't really there is one song on this record shed the salt that i had written on piano first which was a new kind of a new thing for me usually i don't write with synths first even with fossil arms like i will write with uh drums and bass first and then i'll bring it to my partner melody and she'll add keyboard parts or you know say like oh we should do sequences here so i love i love playing keyboards it's just not the foundation of how i write songs i mean i love i mean there's a lot of great bands out there right now doing like really cool synth stuff and obviously i love all that stuff oh yeah totally but for me i guess yeah I, it just feels more natural for me, when I write write songs, I always write them with a guitar or bass. the The idea of adding synths in was more for like kind of ear candy, just to kind of fill things yeah. out. Fill things yeah, out. So yeah. So it's not there's there's some leads in there that are that are played on the synth, but mostly it's just kind of filler, you know, to make the songs feel a little more full or or give them a little more body. And I think I. Not that it was a conscious decision, but I think all the melodic parts are played on real instruments, even if it's like, you know, Hallie, our, our bassist now, is a cellist, and so there's like all these string parts on there, but it, it's still a real, not, I don't want to say a real instrument, because synthesizers are real instruments, but a non-synthesized instrument, yeah. and I feel like that has like a, there's something about it you just can't beat, you know? <laughs> totally. And what about, speaking of the cello parts and the string parts... You mentioned that you went to a real studio, Archive Studios, and you worked with Wes Johnson. Why yeah. did you decide to work with him specifically, and what were the recording sessions like? Well, I hadn't... So, Hallie, our bassist, Wes, uh, their brother and sister, so she had introduced me to him when I had been like, oh, I want to start recording this album. She's like, oh, you should check out my brother's studio, and I went there, and it was like, it was amazing. It's very... It's kind of isolated and quiet. There's a ton of cool instruments. Wes is like, he's so nice. And he's, I'm not always the best at articulating what, um, what I, what I want. It's kind of one of those things where you like hear it in your head. You're like, I know what it's supposed to sound like, but there's like a dissonance between getting it from my brain to my mouth out to somebody else. And Wes is really good at being, I can be like, you know, I kind of want it to have this feeling or, or, you know, how this guitar sounds on this song, but I don't know how to do it. And he's like, oh yeah, that's, that's just like this kind of amp with this kind of guitar. And like, let's mess around with these pedals. And he's really good at dialing in to get exactly the sound that you're looking for. So I really appreciate that about him. And I'm glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I met him. But the recording sessions were mostly... The first couple, I kind of, we tried to book it when the studio had downtime, um, just to make it a little easier on everybody. But we had, I had all the songs, 
and all the demos, which were all with drum machines and stuff. And I had sent them to Brett Meisenbach, who plays guitar in the band now, who is also an amazing drummer. And he came in and tracked all the drums in one day after only he like, I feel like he didn't, he, he's so good that he like sat with the songs for like a week and then came in and busted it all out in one day in like minimal takes, which I was just, just flabbergasted by. <laughs> um, and then after that, we kind of tracked and mixed the drums a little bit. And then after that, it was just me and Wes. I would just bring in all, all my different basses. You know, we did it like sequentially by instrument, you know? So we started drums, bass, guitars. Then we added all the little like tambourines and pianos and and stuff like that and then vocals at the end so it was mostly just Wes and I until it came time for cello parts Hallie came in and busted out all the cello parts in like a day maybe two sessions something like that so it was all very very relaxed with with things like the cello parts because it they're really nice touches on a lot of these songs thinking specifically of like where where you are now mm. and a couple those couple of other great tracks on the record that have these string parts were those things that you had envisioned when you came into the studio with the demos that you knew specifically that you wanted or was it once you're kind of in there working on it and had someone playing the strings or suggesting where they would be that that came to life more specifically. I was probably 50-50. With, with where you are now, I had written all the um, all the string parts uh, with MIDI on the on the demo, so I knew for that one that I wanted wanted the strings in there. And with that one specifically, the demo has bass guitar on it, but it was sounding really muddled when we were trying to record it, and then. I think Hallie suggested like, well, what if we just do it on cello? You know, we'll just do make that the bass. And so there were suggestions like that. And then like with Shed the Salt, um, originally all the strings that are on there now were synth parts that I thought, I was like, this is just like kind of not working. I don't know, it's not yeah. sounding right. And then I was like, hey, Hallie, we, you know, try to, can you try to do this? And she did it, and I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, that that sounds awesome. Oh, that's cool, yeah. And then with, like, Twirl, Twirl for me, I don't even think that I had the idea to put cello on there. Or if I did, um, it was just kind of, like, kind of ear candy to fill it out. And Hallie had written that. there. I think there was a synth part that, that mimicked the cello part that we ended up taking out, but she had written the harmony to it that kind of comes in on the second or third pass. And I was like, holy shit, that is so cool. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of 50-50 with suggestions and like yeah. trying stuff out. And then there was a couple, a couple of songs where I was like, I definitely want cello in here and strings in here and stuff. So I don't know, it was really fun to just fuck around with it. Yeah, that stuff like that I find really comes out from what I hear just fucking mm. around in the studio yeah, yeah. and figuring out what sounds good. And so yeah. then it's always cool to hear the backstory about mm -hmm. how the song came to life. 
yeah, it was it was really fun. Kind of, I, I don't tend to give myself the space to uh, mess around with songs like that, especially with like sculpture club songs. Usually, they're all written and ready to go before I even try to record anything with it. So this time, being able to just like have the space to be like, I don't know, man, let's like try to let's try to put a piano on there. Let's see what that sounds like. Nope, that sucks. Take it off. We'll try piano on this song, you know? <laughs> so it was really nice, and, and Wes was very patient with me, <laughs> you know, trying to, just trying things out. It was really nice. Yeah, that's good to have a producer that is patient and willing to work out ideas like that. Mm-hmm. Chains and Faith, first song on the record, also one of yeah. the singles. Super compelling song. And the video is this really cool, interesting visual (laughs) pairing. The lyrics delve into isolation, desire for connection. And it's a dark track lyrically. And contrasts with the video, which is this cool concept because it basically just features a separate shot of each band member just sitting there and eating. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about, I I really liked it. It was a cool, it was was very cool. Uh, how'd you come up with that concept and why'd you decide to pair it with the dark lyrics of the song like that? Um, well, the concept I kind of stole from <laughs> Jorgen, Jorgen Leth, do you know, he, he's like a, a video maker, um, but he had made that video of Andy Warhol eating a burger, but there's, a there's like a four minute video of Andy Warhol just eating a burger from Burger King. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I love that ever since I saw it in high school and I was like, that's, I thought it was like, it's so funny. It's just so funny that we would watch something like that, you know? Yeah. It's like, what? I'll just watch somebody eat and like, I'll watch the whole four minutes of it and be compelled. And it's always been like that. So I thought, uh, it's fu- that, that'd be funny to like do something like that, but with Del Taco, cause we love Del Taco and it felt like appropriate for the time and the song just because it's like, at, at that time we couldn't even see each other in person, yeah. you know? And the song is about just wanting to feel feel a connection to yourself and to others and i was just i don't know it just felt like what if we all filmed this thing separately and then put it together so it's just kind of like a digital connection and it seems like we're kind of i don't know it's always hard to explain artistic concept i stole the idea from jorgen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I did it with my friends because uh, they were people that I wanted to see. So <laughs> Great video. Everyone check it out for sure. <laughs> and building off of that, the lyrics on Chains and Faith, really powerful and personal. Yeah. And the lyrics on the entire record kind of follow that in the sense that they are very powerful and personal. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering where you draw inspiration from uh, when writing lyrics and where does it come in in the songwriting process for you? Um, I guess a, a lot of my inspiration is internal. Trying to, I feel like a lot of it comes from just trying to figure out what I'm feeling 
and why. <laughs> and a lot of times I'll start a song and I don't even know kind of where, you know, I'll start playing guitar and trying to hum a melody and, you know, kind of words will pop in that, that fit the, the structure and that'll be a jumping off point and I don't even really know why I sang, you know, these chains are mine, for example. I was like, what the hell does that mean? And I didn't even realize until I kind of like fleshed out the song a little bit what I needed to get out. And the same happens when I, I try to do a lot of, or I like to do a lot of uh, like free association journaling where you just kind of just yeah. go, like whatever comes out, comes out. And I feel like a lot of times that's can be how I write songs. I'll just kind of spit out all these ideas and write them out and, you know, there'll be a big jumble of stuff and then I'll kind of like, okay, let's edit down and, and, and restructure. So a lot of times, for the other part of the question, a lot of times it comes like when I'm writing, as I'm trying to write, you know, the music, the lyrics will come. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there is like uh, Gifts of Light on the album is one that I had written the whole song first and didn't have any lyrics for it at all and so that was one of the times when i went back into my journaling like my free association and i just kind of like looked through until i saw saw a line that i thought was interesting and then built off that you know so yeah it's it's interesting too because these lyrics that you wrote for this record, it seems like aside from like a song or two and the music are all like reflective of kind of this one period of time. Have you ever written a record like that before? And no. when, when you when you reflect back on these songs, what comes to mind? I mean, like my guttural reaction is that I just think about being in the studio and kind of the freedom of, of being able to experiment on the songs. Like, that's the biggest thing that comes to mind. Um, but I've never really written a written an album that way. You know, with the first yeah. record, it was, you know, like most bands, we started a band, we started writing songs. Yeah. We had five songs so we could play a set. And we worked on another five songs so that we didn't have to play the same set all the time. And then we cut old songs until we finally had like a group of 10 songs that we thought were really strong. And that took the you know a course of two years or three years or whatever. So it was not like, not like writing a record, but just recording what we had already written. And with this one, yeah, I was a, I was able to. It, it felt a little overwhelming going in and like thinking like, okay, I'm gonna record this record and I'm gonna like write these songs and, and I don't know. It was a a new experience, but a good one. And definitely a unique experience that a lot of people are doing and may not ever do again, really, because of the circumstances. Yeah. So it's yeah, interesting. Definitely. Something to look back in like 10 years and be like, I wrote this record under these circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think that if I like that. Yeah. I think if I do, when, when I do look back on it, I'll, it'll always be within this time frame. You know, and it was nice, yeah. like, I guess, lyrically, I mean, it's just like the, the freedom that I had with Wes and Archive to explore sounds and ideas that I have. I, I had the same amount of time and freedom to to dig around and explore what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it, which is which was 
something that I don't tend to do, you know, when I start a band or play play music, right? You you, you want to, I always want to play a show. Like that's my, I love playing live. And so I'm like, okay, we'll write this song and I'll just like get some lyrics together that I think are, are good enough. And, and we'll go and I'll sing and scream it and we'll work it all out later where this time I was able to sit down and kind of work it all out first, then then put it out there rather than workshop it all. But yeah, I think when I look back on this album, it'll definitely be this very specific time in my life. Even though I think the ideas are a little more universal than that. You know, there's things in there that only I hear because I know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? So yeah, 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 totally. It's a little bit selfish in that way. So a part of the record that I really liked was Where Are You Now? and then World of Movement. Yeah. Uh, Where Are You Now is this like down-tempo, gorgeous song with strings and acoustic guitar, and then World of Movement kicks in and it accelerates pretty quickly from the yeah. start. Was there anything to placing those two songs together in succession like that? And, and how did they come together it, it sounds like they one is almost an intro to the other sort of oh yeah i mean i never i didn't think about it that way i think i i placed them that way because i think world of movement is starts off the b side and where you are now yeah yeah it's the end of the a side you know and i wanted the the like i picked chains and faith as the first one because the first track because you know i think it kind of hits you in the face it's kind of just like boom yeah and world of movement i originally i was going to make that the first track because it has the reverse snare on it yeah and i had always made a joke that i was like you know i was going to do a big you know the next record was going to start like a poison record and it's going to have big reverse snare it's just like big <laughs> gaudy like melodramatic song but i just didn't you know it didn't fit but i was like oh it makes sense I feel like it flows really good off this song and to like start the B-side with a mix of like being punched in the face, yes, but also totally. being um, a little more introspective, you know, uh, it just, it just felt right. <laughs> See everyone, that's why you need to get this record on vinyl in addition <laughs> to listening to it on Bandcamp or your streaming platform of choice. Cause you can appreciate the flow from where are where you are now into world of movement on streaming, but then you yeah. can appreciate the kickoff of the B side on vinyl. <laughs> That's yeah. my advice to everyone. Cause it's cool yeah. how it's like two different experiences that totally work, whether you're listening on streaming or listening to the physical record. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, I mean, there's like, I called the album worth because that's kind of all the, if I had to boil it down to, to one word, that's like the idea that most of the songs are exploring and with where you are now, you know, that song, really that song is about my sister and kind of exploring this idea of like, you see the world that they're going into, you've been there before and you can't go there again because of how you know, it was too, it was too dark a place for you to go. Yeah. And I think world of movement is kind of a more removed, maybe, maybe of that, you know, seeing, seeing how chaotic the world can be around you and wanting to try to just exist in it. You know, I know this kind of, everything's a little bit interconnected on the album, but I put those two songs together because I thought they flowed really well 
but I guess, you know, it's a little more than that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's both. It's all yeah. of the above. Two <laughs> other tracks that I wanted to touch on because I just really liked them and they stood out to me. Teeth and Tongue and Twirl for Me, which is the final <laughs> track on the album. Tell us a little bit about those two songs. Uh, Teeth and Tongue was... <laughs> I was listening to a lot of Aztec Camera at the time. Great band. And yeah, I love I love Aztec Camera and um, Icicle Works another great band but they have like all these oh, here i'll show you they have all these like really fancy like cluster chords you know that that are all like really jazzy yeah. sounding you know and i was like fuck man i don't you know the first song i always had written songs with power chords and the first song that i wrote that ever had real chords in it was a place to stand which was one of the last songs i wrote for the album that you know, it has a, an actual A minor <laughs> chord in it. Um, you know, and so I was trying to learn all these new chords and do all this like kind of jazzy, like, yeah, you know, I was, uh, you know, kind of showing off, I guess, a little bit if I'm being honest. <laughs> but I was like, you know, there's these, these, uh, there's more, don't get me wrong, power chords have their place and you know, nothing beats them the best but you can kind of evoke a little subtler emotion with you know weird jazzy chords and i was like well how do i mix these two you know like i love aztec camera and i want to play like these type of like evocative chords but i'm not we're not an aztec camera band you know <laughs> i'm not like a kind of like just not that kind of band and so i was like okay well what if we try to make that like a little more a, a little more rock and roll a little more punk and put these you know real smart chords into just like a big rock song and so that was kind of the idea of that one and that one especially there was a lot of exploring <laughs> of ideas you know in the beginning with the with the drums you know it's just like kind of drums and synth and i was like oh i never started a song that way like what if we started it that way and you know originally there was me reading uh reading a poem over the drums and doing like a you know 80s talk down and eventually i was like yikes we can't put that in there but i <laughs> we i moved it if you listen closely to the bridge you can hear me underneath kind of talking you know reading a little poem underneath that i had written and and even the the bridge of that song with like you know kind of the double timed u2 i was like oh, yeah, i always wanted to write like a silly u2 part and so i was like ah, i wrote one let's put it in the song and you know the really dynamic shifts between the drums where he's like doing like a big you know four four on the on the toms to just kind of like a, a real light like doo, 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 kh, kh, you know and just like really trying every stupid idea I had and then <laughs> just trying to make it work. So I think that song is really fun. That's another another um, like free association song I didn't have any lyrics for uh, originally. I think the first thing I wrote was the very end, which was the lyrics are, um, remove your teeth from your tongue, you've held it long yeah. enough. And, you know, I wanted to just like, it just seemed like something I needed to, to yell at the time. And so I was like, oh, I'll put in this big, intense yelling ending and these like really soft choruses and we'll do synth clarinets and we'll do cello and we'll do poetry reading underneath. It was just like, 
it's just like when on paper you're like this is a fucking disaster like what are you talking about (laughs) you know i think it works out because i I really like that song yeah me too i mean the the baseline is just like all over the place it starts on like it's on the upper register and like 12 13 14 15 16 like that area of frets which was just me like doing wiggly bass stuff that i thought was funny and i was like oh this actually works (laughs) sounds cool so that that's a fun song <laughs> i'm very proud of that song. It's great track and then uh what was that twirl 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 for me yeah. yeah that was the last song i had written for the album and i had written it like kind of i don't know exactly when you know a couple weeks before we actually went into the studio and i was just my, my um our cat had just passed away who was like our best friend um oh, i'm sorry to hear that yeah, thank you but he got like a sudden cancer and it like happened so fast you you know he was kind of feeling lethargic one day and we thought you know maybe he's not feeling well and the next day he still was and we took him to the vet and they like had to keep him overnight and give him all these steroids and do all this stuff and you know from from the day we noticed to the day that he was gone was only like four days so it was just like so fast and i was i was working on this song at the time which was the the music for that i had written in arizona at my my in-laws place and i kind of had this idea of like kind of like two kids kind of us against the world like teenage outcasts i want to kind of write a story story about that and um i couldn't quite figure it out and and i wanted to write something for mowgli who is that's our cat and i had written this poem which was which ended up being the chorus of the song um, and I was just trying to figure figure everything out with him. And so I was walking around the house and just playing guitar, and I kind of just like smashed the two ideas together and realized that they were kind of about the same thing. And it also like you know dealt with the idea of value and worth and and what it means when it gets taken away from you and and how it affects you. So it kind of feels like a big what's the epilogue kind of you know encompassing all the ideas of the album along with being able to to pay tribute and work out some emotions about about my friend that's beautiful thank you for sharing that really sweet backstory of that song (laughs) really gives even more meaning to it it stood out to me as just a great way to end the record and there's so much more to it so thank you for sharing yeah for sure for sure i think that that twirl for me in particular i think is one of the best songs i've i've ever written very very proud of that one really good song great way to end the record everyone listen all the way through so yeah, you can make please it do or go to watch the, the music video our drummer madison made a music video she directed it with uh michael who plays guitar in choir boy and jeff who uh plays keyboards in choir boy and our friend diana and pete um diana stars in that and madison i know there's kind of this beautiful thing about that song that it's bringing (laughs) it's bringing a lot of us more a little closer together because madison our drummer who's been the drummer the whole time she recently got into yale for doing sculpture she's a she's a sculptor sick i know and we're all so proud of her and so she's leaving in a few months and this was kind of like I didn't realize at the time until I went over and watched it and, you know, she was like, you know, it felt so good to 
create this thing in the pandemic that is kind of like my my goodbye letter to the band where I can kind of be involved and like you know deal with kind of I, I'm I'm adding this in there but it's kind of like dealing with the 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 loss of the band right we're not gonna be the same unit we were just yeah. like you know my my family we lost our cat you know we're not going to be the same unit we were so it kind of has this you know underlying feeling and it's a it was a surprise to me she was like i want to do can i make the music video and i was like please my plate is so full i would love it if you made it yeah <laughs> and so they didn't tell me anything about it they showed me some pictures and i went and you know saw like kind of the set and uh you know a couple weeks went like two weeks went by and they're like hey come over i want you to see the video and I saw it and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. So it was, it was a, a beautiful little thing. Please listen to that song, everybody. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, and watch the video. And watch the video. Yeah, you can see my, my cool friends doing cool stuff. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to play a couple of tracks from Sculpture Club's brand new album, Worth. We're going to hear Chains and Faith, followed by Where You Are Now and world of movement and again everyone you can get the record at sculptureclub.bandcamp.com
All right, everyone. We just heard three songs from Sculpture Club's brand new record, Worth. We heard Chains and Faith, Where You Are Now, and World of Movement. Now, Chaz picked some records from my record collection. We're going to talk about them and play them. Starting off with Sunday. By the cranberries off of everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? Tell me a little bit about why you chose this track and album. I mean, I think the song speaks for itself. <laughs> this was actually my most played song on my Spotify of last year. It's just beautiful. I feel like the cranberries are kind of a new... I mean, I always liked the cranberries, you know, but I kind of just knew the hits. And once I sat down and listened to them, you know, my, my partner Melody loves the cranberries. And once I kind of sat down and listened to them, I was like, oh my God, like, this is the best band. This is the best band I've ever heard. <laughs> like, they're all, they're all so skilled at what they do. And they have like these beautiful melodies and like the interesting song structures and, and chords. And like, it's all very, you know, they're kind of masters at what they do, but they're not throwing it in your face. Like some, some fucking like guitar center dad throwing down Zeppelin riffs or, you know, but it's like <laughs> yeah, their songs are not yeah. easy to, to play. And I think they're very, like, they're so interesting. And I feel like that's so much cooler to me than like, not to say that I don't love shredding because I do believe me, but there's something to be said for, for the kind of ease that they take to a complex song, especially like Sunday, it kind of starts off with this kind of wishy-washy, you know, and they're so good at like, that song feels like what a Sunday feels like to me, you know? It's got this like kind of washy like intro that's kind of meandering and like, you know, these big strings. It's like really flowy and, and beautiful. You kind of don't know where it's going and it slows down. And then this like, you know, emotional, like beautiful 12 string guitar comes in and it's kind of this like bouncy but somber. I don't know. It's I think it's one of the best songs ever written. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of going through a similar rediscovery mm. of the Cranberries within the last few years as well. I wonder, I think it's probably because these records are getting reissued now, but same thing, really rediscovering my deep appreciation yeah. for their great talents mm -hmm. as songwriters. Yeah. Incredible. Next, a song from the same era of 90s awesome well, rock radio. Follow uh, You yeah. Down by the Gin Blossoms. <laughs> I love the Gin Blossoms. I love, yo, this is a great, yeah. great band. Arizona band. That's right, Arizona band. Them, the Meat Puppets, Jimmy Eat World, those are the three I think of. And that, that's three really fucking good yeah, bands. Yeah, uh, I think that's about all that Arizona has going for it. I mean, like, <laughs> Flagstaff is cool and Sedona, but other than that, yeah. it's kind of a wasteland. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love the Gin Blossoms. They were, like, one of those bands. They were a band that I would always hear as a kid on the radio, you know? And you hear those songs, and they're 
fun, fun 90s rock songs. You know, I always had this soft spot for them, but I felt kind of guilty because I, you know, some of that music of that era is real, you know, just doesn't age well. But I feel like the Gin Blossoms kind of have this, like, this weird honesty to them that, and they're this kind of tragic, you know, it, it, sometimes when I listen to them, it surprises me how popular they were as a band you know how much radio play they got because a yeah. lot of it sounds like you know they kind of sound like morrissey to me when i listen to it especially like i don't know these interesting like driving guitars or like you know, it's like morrissey and like i don't even know what the like velvet underground or something you know i don't think that they knew how cool they actually were and that might just be me over analyzing it but who gives a shit i think they're awesome <laughs> Another great example of band that wrote really, really good songs too. Yeah, that's that's kind songs. of like the connecting theme of I think the bands from that era that really stand out and stood the test of time is just how strong the songs were. Not gimmicky at all, you know. Yeah, definitely. It was it was really, and I think I kind of took like I was listening to to you know to these songs when I was writing and recording this album and i think that's why you know another reason why i love like you know, more guitar focused music because yes i mean there's not really anything to these songs there's like guitar bass drums and then you know this song in particular has those there's some great harmonies and stuff in the uh, in the verses and that's just kind of like just just cool it's just cool <laughs> way cool oh, <laughs> yeah Next up, Letters to Memphis by the Pixies off of Trump Le Monde. Yeah, this, I have loved the Pixies. They're just one of my favorite bands of all time. And I was listening to, I was, I think the Pixies are a big influence on this record. I don't know if it comes across uh, musically because they have such a particular sound, you know, but I think that they're they're another one of those bands you know they're just like they're a rock and roll band you know it's just like four people playing their instruments well doing whatever weird stuff they wanted and i think specifically like you know how frank black always is playing acoustic guitar and you would never think of the pixies as an acoustic band but they're you know the front person is constantly playing yeah an acoustic guitar and it's just like a cool just cool you know <laughs> like like all these bands and i feel like the pixies is something that really feels you know when i hear a pixie song i get so jealous because i'm like fuck this is so sim it's like so simple it's like complicated and it's like really powerful and emotional and like you know i think and i think that this song is like kind of them going a little bit shoegazy in a way you know but they just like the Pixies have an energy to them that I always want, that I always want to have, too. You know? It's like they're playing their songs, and they're just like, they're just playing their songs. You know? They're playing, like, loud and hard, and they mean what they're playing, and I feel like that's that's so awesome. 
and I just want to do that. No arguments here. <laughs> totally spot on. Next, Shoulder to the Wheel by Save the Day <laughs> off of Through Being Cool. My favorite yeah. record in high school. So, yeah. Amazing album. <laughs> I actually saw them play the last tour they did. So, I guess it was like a year and a half ago. And they, I guess they were touring like the 20th anniversary of this album. Very fun. And I grew up in New Jersey too, so this band always very yeah. connected to them because of that, because they were from here and wrote songs about different things, especially on this record. There's a lot of references to different parts of New Jersey and stuff like that. So, you know, nice. deep connection with this band growing up. And I didn't this know is that an awesome, from, awesome from song. Yeah. You guys got a lot of stuff like is my chemical romance is from there. Oh yeah. Well, during the that heyday, I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my early to mid 30s and that whole time period uh with third wave emo bands and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, it was all happening right here. So, it was all yeah. really exciting and and cool. Uh, being in high school and listening I mean, to all I these different like bands. Jersey's always had, I mean, like, aren't the Misfits from there? And, and Yeah, Misfits I mean, are you're... from Lodi, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what, David Johansson's from there, like New York yeah, Dolls yeah. and uh, Skid Row. Shit, like, Jersey's got... got Bouncing some... Souls. Oh, there it is, Bouncing <laughs> Souls. And, of course, yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the master, the man himself, yeah, the boss. the man himself, yeah. Um... Yeah, I had picked this. <laughs> I was just, I was going through the records and I thought this one was funny. This was like one of the first albums I got in like eighth grade, middle school. I'm 32. So I was kind of like young, young in that scene, but you know, it was targeted at me. Yeah. And you know, I love those, <laughs> I love all those bands uh, from that era. But this was like a CD that a friend had given me in middle school, like eighth grade. And it's just stuck with me <laughs> stuck with yeah. me ever since i so, feel like this yeah it's got a good it's definitely emo for sure but uh i think it still is really catchy and i still like i still like listening to this song this song in particular i feel like the chorus um i don't know something about the chorus just feels so it feels so good it feels like so anthemic you know very anthemic yeah, Very fuck this town. I hate this town, but I love my friends, and that's a feeling that that I've felt very truly in my life. So <laughs> Very relatable feeling, for sure. Mm. Yeah, so. Please, Dave, just drive. Yeah. <laughs> Get us as far as far can be. Yeah. Get us away from tonight. Yeah, I like, I like how the drums, like... They're not subtle with what they're doing, you know? They're really just like, in case you didn't know, I'm going to emphasize everything with the drums and this, you know, this crazy, this crazy bass tone. But, get us away from tonight! It's like, Jesus. Very, okay, very, very <laughs> intense stuff. Yeah. 
next back to gray by the thermals off of their classic album more parts per million yeah this uh this was an album that melody had gotten i had shown to me in in high school and you know i know that the the thermals been a little problematic in the past with the with the stuff that's come up so i wasn't really sure about putting this on there but i you know, something about this album you know it's really th- this was a an album and a song that made me feel like i could do it you know what i mean like i can start a band you know i think it's how how a lot of people were when they saw it, the sex pistols or the ramones or something not saying that that the thermals is as iconic as that but it's a band that's like wow this is like uh, me and my friends could do this you know and it felt like these songs are catchy you know they sound cool it's like kind of grimy it's not super polished you know so that's why i picked this one is because um it made me feel like i could start a band and do it next one another one that'll get your blood flowing the exploding hearts throwaway oh, style yes. off of guitar romantic this the, song, the whole this story band. about this band i mean this record is amazing and then you know the, the whole tragic story about yeah them, it's just like devastating definitely it's like a you know kind of live in rock and roll history at least at least for some of us this is another one that I was I was just listening to recently. Like I found the record and I was listening to it. And then when I was looking through your records, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I've just been listening to this. And Throwaway Style was like, you know, when I was in high school and Melody had shown me this band too. Everything cool that is in my life has come from her. So um, I was in a Strokes cover band in high school and I had heard Someday and you know, Melody had shown me this song, and I was like, "Oh, they're ripping it off!" And I was like, "Well, this song came out first, and it's also uh, better." <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I feel like they, you know, they they feel like a band that is like they kind of have this, you know, tragic, tragic romance heartbreak songs, and these like, you know, it was. I, I feel like it was the things that I related to in emo and pop punk of you know a, a lost love moving away and coming back and and you know growing up and doing all this stuff, but not as not as whiny, just kind of like cool, you know. Yeah. And they're just so. Every song on this album is so catchy, but this is the this is the one that's like. This like windows down, driving, driving through the summertime, just like, just loving it.
wrapping it up with When Two Are In Love by Prince. Oh, yeah. I saw... So, this was my wild card on there because I had seen that you have the the Black Album. Yes. Which, there's two versions of this song, right? There's the Black Album yeah. version and then there's the Love Sexy version. But a friend of mine had put this song on a mixtape for me and it just kind of has that charm of like the blown out demo like you know it seems like he obviously recorded it on like a four track tape thing and it's kind of got this like this lonely emotional like you know unpolished but well played super honest feeling to it uh that's just so good prince r.i.p but prince was always so good and I feel like this this song in particular, I had picked because nobody, I, I can never find the Black Album anywhere, <laughs> you know? And I feel like that version of the song that's kind of like blown out and super demo-y um, adds, like, adds just a little more to it, um, where it kind of feels like he's, it kind of feels like he's just singing to you, you know? Like you're sitting in the room while your friend is messing around with an idea and uh oh, so cool Jazz, so great chatting with you on <laughs> yeah, Look at My too. Records. Thank you so much for speaking with me, everyone. Worth, it's the new album by Sculpture Club. It's out now. Like I said, you can listen to it on Bandcamp. You can listen to it on streaming. But you got to get a copy on vinyl, sculptureclub.bandcamp.com. Or you could also go to funeral party which is a label that's releasing it the funeral where you can get it cool splatter version of the record which is a very limited edition yeah. pressing there's also a milky clear pressing and if you're in europe you can get it via evilgreed.net, which i believe is a label that does distribution for funeral party in uh mail order yeah mail order for funeral party yeah, you can yeah. get this this not splatter vinyl there <laughs> oh yeah i'm looking at it right now that one's one of my favorite variants you, you cool, europeans huh? <laughs> are lucky you get this booger yeah. version vinyl you gotta <laughs> grab that <laughs> so before we go, Chaz, I noticed Sculpture Club has a cool Patreon where I think you do a podcast, you do some other stuff with it. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can check it out. Yeah, patreon.com slash Club. The podcast, there's two episodes uh, just because I don't know if you know this, but doing a podcast is um, really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's, uh, especially for me, like trying to do... Uh, managing the band and, and practicing and working on this stuff, uh, having the, the record come out. And then we made a book. Uh, I wrote, I wrote 
a composition book with all the tabs and stuff for the entire album. Oh, wow. Really and cool. Then, yeah. So working on that and then choir boy and, and doing just, I'm a busy, I'm a busy guy and I always put too much on my plate. So I had this idea for a podcast a long time ago called past life where I just kind of talked to my friends about musician, my musician friends about where their life could have gone had music not taken over you know so you know for a long time i thought i was going to be a, a bmxer oh sick like i really thought i was like that's where my life is going you know and so it's just about other interests besides music um there's two episodes on there now uh one with my friend Bo from harm's way and one with uh my friend Kristen um kofer who's the photographer she does a lot of i'm sure you've seen seen her stuff around she she photographs everybody but she's super cool i put up some demos on there i tried to i'm trying to get better at <laughs> keeping keeping a steady flow of stuff going on there but um there's a lot of photos there's a lot of uh you know like short stories and 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 writing that i do but yeah i'm, I'm now that the album's coming out i'm gonna start releasing the demos on there so if you're so inclined and want to hear those patreon.com slash club hopefully we'll have some new uh patreon exclusive merch coming out in the next little while and then uh things like that i'm trying to get better i promise everybody <laughs> i'm a gemini so i start way too many things and and don't finish a lot of them but it's all really good <laughs> it's all good and hopefully sculpture club will be gigging soon hopefully we'll try to do a couple shows uh maybe on the west coast a little later in the year but it's too it's too weird to think about booking shows yeah, right now <laughs> totally i feel so, you but they're coming and i very much think that we're a live band um so i'd love for you yeah i would really live. love to hear this record live it sounds like it's gonna be rad to hear at yeah. a gig Jazz, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. Of course, anytime. All right, and we're going to end the show with one more song from Worth. This is a track we talked about. It's called Twirl for Me. Let's listen to all the songs about the boys Has too many jokes, too high fences. I've been